Hello and welcome to Scoffy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by the one, the only, Danielle Levsky. How are you? How are you today? I'm doing good. I love these introductions. They just lift my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Um, it's the kind of thing that, like, having been doing it for 10 million years, it kind of becomes old hat. And so appreciation of it is mm-hmm. <laughs> is appreciated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every time I listen to Scopy Radio and every time you do it, I'm just like, that's lovely. That's wonderful. <laughs> just like give that person like a kick of confidence. It's yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the goal. Cause being, you're doing some, got it. being interviewed is vulnerable shit. So you got to make them feel like a superstar right off the mm-hmm. bat. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so also preface, of prefaces the um we're in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. we're recording over discord so if there's mm-hmm. any audio stuff yep we're sorry but we're doing the best we can we I th- honestly it's pretty solid like the, yeah. the setup now i actually haven't listened to anything recently <laughs> <laughs> i've been editing is has been so much more for like the editing process has taken so much longer yeah just because like you know this like just fine tuning and getting the system done right, but it seems like the last couple have been solid. That's great, yeah. awesome. But anyway, yeah. well, so Danielle, you used to be one of our editors. <laughs> oh, yeah, you built our theater section, and it was amazing and glorious. And then mm-hmm. you did the bravest thing ever and took a step back to prioritize your shit and like hell yeah i can't wait to catch up with all the stuff that you've been working on in the past year my goodness and it's been so much more than i could have possibly imagined when Mm -hmm. i when i stepped down so for for those that that don't recall ye old history um (laughs) I left uh, Scopy's theater section because I decided I was going to start doing theater again. Um, I stopped doing theater in high school because I didn't think I was good enough. And I didn't think I had much talent. And I didn't think that anyone was interested in what I had to say on the stage. So So I was like, but I'm a good writer. So I should I should pursue that. And always kind of side by side stayed with theater by writing about theater and by connecting with theater artists. And then, then I went to a bunch of clown classes and uh, learned to love myself a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and decided I was going to go off and be a clown. So I didn't quite join the circus, but I, I like joined my own the circus in my head. Yeah. That's what I was. <laughs> you joined you joined the the local Chicago circus. Yes, the local Chicago circus scene, so to speak. That's so cool. Um, well, well, one of the things that I remember from when you were our editor is like during one of our meetings and you were talking about areas of coverage, you were like, honestly, if this could just be like a clown section, that would be a dream come true. Because you were like, I could talk about physical theater and clowning all day, every day. Well, I think that I think a lot of people don't entirely know what the clown scene is like like what like what is it like <laughs> yeah like having having kind of like in like immersed yourself the past year like can you can you um talk a little bit about the scene yes i would love to because i, I would love to spread that knowledge more too 
So I think a lot of uh, people's assumptions about clown align with um, Stephen King novels and kids' birthday parties. Yes, and accurate. clown actually has a very deep, rich history in almost every corner of the world, stemming from kabuki to commedia dell'arte to Latin American versions of clowning to all these ritualistic performances that took place across Asia and Africa that had clown-esque influences, masks, um, massively depicted characters and emotions that mm -hmm. go beyond the human realistic realm that we typically see in, um, in like a live theater performance. So a lot of the clown that I've been seeing in Chicago has been rooted in certain kinds of neo-commedia dell'arte training or training from the Lecoq school in France and other sections of that have dispersed across the world and into the States. Um, a lot of the people in the clown scene have these backgrounds, but then they bring their own kind of flair to it. They use improvisational training from the Annoyance Theater from Second City and bring that to their craft too. Um, the very basis of clown, regardless what school the different clowns in Chicago belong to, is finding the joy in whatever it is that you're doing on stage. If you're not finding joy in it, you move on to the thing that will bring you joy, which is, I think, also just a good metaphor for life. Yeah. Clowns are a good metaphor for life. <laughs> but um, lately, in quarantine, I've been leading different friends through a clown meditation that I learned through uh, Jeremy Aluma, who teaches the Chicago branch of the clown school that's based out of L.A. And this clown meditation encourages you to go back to the time before you knew what no and yes and stop that and everything before you knew who you were and where you lived and, and like how things worked um, to go back to your infant brain where everything you saw around you was an opportunity to explore and discover and to learn. And then this meditation, people find a, a clownish version of themselves. I know that the, the second or third time I did it in his class, I actually discovered my first clown character, who was Ella the Clown, um, and have been slowly developing her over the year as well. <laughs> so yeah, um, people perform clown and clown-esque stuff around Chicago at physical theater variety shows. Pius Productions was hosting a reoccurring show called After Party for a while. Uh, there's also schools in Chicago that have showcases, like the Actors Gym has a clown class. Um, there's also Fly By Night Circus that encourages and, and invites clowns to come perform as part of their circus month. I believe it's a monthly show. Yeah. I also know that there's like several people breaking off into doing little clown troops of their own in Chicago. I'm in a clown-esque troupe myself called The Conspirators. Uh, some of what we do is very much rooted in clown. Yeah. Uh, I have some friends who started up the Hot Clown Sex Company that used to perform at the Annoyance. And now I believe, well, now they're in hiatus. But before, before this all happened, they started performing at the Newport, I think. Cool. Um, but there's also just... There's so many intersections of clown. I've, I've uh, 
over the past couple of months, I started meeting drag performers who are interested in the intersection of clown and drag and how they could incorporate clown elements into their drag routines. And so that's been pretty cool too. So really it's, it's all over the place if you look closely enough. That's really, nice. well, so I'm with Chicago having such a strong, being like such a hub for improvisation and like being kind of like the training ground for improvisational artists. Does that, is that, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people like will go from the annoyance or second city or, you know, IO or whatever into clowning is, do you think that the prevalence of improvisational theater in Chicago is the reason why clowning is so prevalent here? Hmm. That's a good question. From what I've heard from my friends and teachers, it, it only really became super prevalent in Chicago in the past couple of years. Before that, there were not that many clowns in Chicago. Mm. Um, there were like big names of people who trained as clowns, but then continued on in comedy or improv or performance careers and kind of would use clown as a tool rather than their performance style. Gotcha. I think the clowns you find who emerge from improv programs and then continue actually doing clown work and, and not um, traditional improvisational work, that number is growing, which is really cool to see because as much as I love improv shows, we have so many and yeah. it's nice to have a variety of people who aren't just emerging from these improvisational programs and just straight, straight going into doing improv performances or improv troops as awesome as that is. Right. It's yeah. cool to see variety of people using improv as a tool to enhance their clown performances. Yeah. Because I think that like <laughs> there's, you know, among, among my single friends, there's kind of like this trope of like, you know, there are, there are a couple different kinds of folks that you find in like the dating pool in Chicago. And that's like, <laughs> like bros and then improv bros and it's just like I feel like you you can't really swing a dead cat in Chicago without finding an improv performer and so it's it's cool to me that in the past couple of years um the like the the realm like the prevalence of physical theater has taken more has take has like grown and something I know that I think probably helps or has helped in that is that a lot of a lot of um physical theater and like Commedia dell'arte there's a really strong presence of like renaissance fair performers living in Chicago when I first mm. moved when I first moved to Chicago my two roommates one of them was the director of the dance macabre at the Bristol Renaissance Fair and then cool. the other one was, she used to be in like the, in the mystical troupe, which is basically these actors. It came from, it came from uh, like a, I think like a mime tradition where they were painted as fairies and they were all, com they were a completely silent troupe that mainly interacted with children and basically, cool. like through, um, through physical theater and exaggerated 
motions and exaggerated expressions, like, provided a magic, like, lended kind of, like, the magical element of the Ren Faire. Um, which is, which, like, I learned so much about, like, Commedia dell'arte and physical theater from those two people. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, yes. So, with Chicago only recently becoming more more of a hub for clowning and physical theater, like, where in America are the hubs? Mm. From what I've researched, definitely uh, L.A. Mm. There's a lot of clowns in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of different famous clown troops and clown schools in L.A. Um, New York. Lots of Russian clown influence there, for sure. Ooh. Philadelphia, funnily, funnily enough. But they have a very famous uh, physical theater school though. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hmm. Because there's also the Delarte School in Arizona, but it's it's located in like a very non-populated location, so that the students and and the professors that go there can really focus on the craft. Mm. So it's not really like a major central area or anything where there's a lot of it happening. Like, like that school itself is just the hub in Arizona. Well, I'm really curious about, so one of the things that we learned about, learned about, learned, what am I saying? (laughs) We learned about in um, college, like in opera college was, was about Commedia dell'arte and, and just, you know, how much the practice dates back historically is really fascinating to me. But so I'm kind of curious, just like, as far as like modern practice, like how much of it, how much of it really touches back to, you know, the like stereotypical caricatures that Commedia was in the like what 1600s or whatever 1500s or whatever like how how much does it does it lean on its history yeah so clown was born from Commedia actually in the pairing of the harlequin character Mm -hmm. from Commedia dell'arte that tradition the tradition of the white august clown Mm. comes from the harlequin and the pierrot being paired together and pierrot is like the standard sad clown like if you've ever seen um what's a good example pinocchio there's a there's a pierrot character in pinocchio that's just sad all the time donkey from winnie the pooh is also a good example of pierrot Mm. harlequino is like this servant trickster essentially um and that's just very much associated with clowns now so that's the direct link between commedia and clown so commedia came first and then the clown came later in, in uh born out in france and extended from there into other countries russia england etc i'm really I'm actually working, yeah i'm sorry no I'm, I'm really interested in because i know that you have a um really strong connection with being a, being a, so I know that you're from Ukraine. So is mm-hmm. that, do you identify as a Russian Jew or a Ukrainian Jew? I identify as a post-Soviet Jew. Post-Soviet Jew. Okay. So with, um, I didn't realize that there were Russian clowns or that there was Russian clowning. Oh yeah. 
they're uh, some of the most famous clowns in the world, like from modern years or from Russia. Like the one that most people know in the physical theater community is Slava Polunin, who has a show called Slava's Snow Show from the Moscow Circus Theater, I believe is the name. Mm. But he created this magical, wonderful show that's been touring for, I don't even know how many years now, 20, 30, 40 Tours all over the world. I saw it when I was like nine years old, and it truly was like one of the most magical experiences of my life. Um, there's also just, I think one of the positives of the Soviet Union was the encouragement of art and theater to, to a point. I will say that there was like a lot of really well-known actors and artists um, of, all, of all disciplines who, if they got too much power that is too much popularity the government would like knock them down a peg and they would never get jobs again and mm. very sad stories across the board but on the other hand <laughs> uh <laughs> there there were a lot of wonderful influences uh for all these artists where they didn't feel like they had to be nestled into one discipline or another um like one of my favorite clowns is a is a guy named Yuri Yuri Nikulin Yuri Nikulin if you want to look him up on the interwebs um he's fantastic not only is he an incredibly expressive and hilarious clown he also was a great actor great singer um so he he was able to dance between being a clown on stage and also be a film a comedic film star um, he was part of a a trio, kind of similar to uh, the Marx Brothers. No, sorry. Three Who's Stooges. Our famous trio. I can't believe I'm forgetting this. The Three Stooges. Our, um, they're called. I will remember their name in just a second. The Three Stooges. Oh my gosh! Of course. So <laughs> there's a comedic. <laughs> trio in, in, the, in the Soviet Union that Yuri Nikulin was a part of. And they were very, I would like to argue better, Three Stooges personally, but they would release like a series of films that they were in. They were asked to guest star in animated films as their trio um, and other live performances with other comedic film stars. They would be like, we want your trio included here. Like they're going to be like a group of bandits or like a group of robbers or thieves. Um, and they're going to like try to spoil the fun for everyone. So there was just so much room to play amongst these Soviet clowns and comedic stars and to go between the disciplines. It created this very rich culture of circus and theater and film all embedded and meshed together. Mm. I, I could go on about this forever. <laughs> that's super, that's super it's interesting. A, yeah. For, for a culture that's so deeply depressed most of the time, they made some really great comedy. Mm. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like there's kind of a a relationship between depressive states and like really fantastic comedy. True. Yeah. So. 100%. Yeah. Um. So I want to dive in to specifically your clowning, as well as I know that you've been working on besides uh like the clowning meditation i know that there are some other projects that you've been working on during quarantine um so but first i want to talk to you about specifically i know that since you've developed ella you've also developed some other characters can you talk a little bit about the process of de developing 
clowning, like clowning personas. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Ella came to me through that very first intensive, like really solidified clown class that I took. And I'm still working on figuring her out, but I just, her name just kind of came to me as I was in the middle of, of exploring the space as a newborn clown. Um, and I knew that she was very mischievous and that she wanted things her way and she wouldn't take no for an answer and didn't like being criticized, being told what to do and would like act back on it, which I thought would be very fun for audience interaction. Mm-hmm. And when I tested it out, it, it was quite funny. Um, it gave it a little bit of a Buffon element. Buffon is a is a form of physical comedy developed by the Lecoq School that's slightly rooted in clown, but it's but its premise is that the Buffon is like an alien that's fallen down to earth and that is now trying to mock the human species. And every time they do so, they like make fun of it and berate it and, and basically point out to us all our flaws and how contradictory and messed up we are. So I liked having that element as part of Ella. Now, the other character I've been working with, uh, Baba Yana, the Soviet Jewish grandma clown, uh, the way she came up <laughs> was um, a little a little bit less instantaneous and a little bit more of like, hmm, what what can I work on that would be related to my, my family's heritage and my family's past? Um, I was working off with the Alliance for Jewish Theater on their 2019 conference and festival. And some of the organizers, even though I was helping organize panels, they're like, you should also submit something to the festival, like some kind of piece. Maybe you can do a clown piece. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And Ella didn't really, I didn't really know how to make a Jewish piece with Ella. So I started thinking about other things. And I don't recall exactly how it happened, but I knew that I like I found so much joy and humor in the way that like the matriarchs in my family expressed themselves and commanded people around. Um, <laughs> and there were so many different Russian movies where there would be like funny, angry grandmas. Um, there, there was one uh, actor in New York. He lives in Brooklyn now, I believe, or maybe he moved, but his name is Gary. Um, and he had had this character, this like Russian Jewish grandma character that he developed back when I was in college during that whole, there was like a video trend where people were developing videos like um, Jewish people be like, oh. and then there was like a series of, of <laughs> things that the Jewish people would say. So he did one by like Russian grandmas be like, and did this video, the series of things that Russian grandmas would say. And it just, it was the funniest shit ever. My whole family loved it and related to it so much. I showed it to some of my other friends who had no, no relation to being Russian or being Jewish. And they also found it to be hysterical and very relatable. So I started thinking about like, what would it look like if that kind of comedy was presented in clown form? And so I came up with this first clown act where I am like, it was winter. And I'm like, the thing that Russian grandmas, specifically Russian Jewish grandmas are most scared of in the winter is everybody like dying of pneumonia because they're not dressed warm enough. 
So that was the premise for this act I put together. And then as I slowly started crafting it more and more, uh, Baba Yana came out from this. Uh, and her name is slightly an allusion to Baba Yaga, who's a very right. famous fairy tale character. Uh, but it's not Baba Yaga specifically because that, that would be, I think, disrespectful to, <laughs> to a very, very powerful <laughs> character's name. Um, so when I did that first performance, it just, it came so naturally. It, w- it was almost like every single female matriarch in my family just like flowed through me and, and came out in this very comedic, very honest, very loud <laughs> and annoyed way. Um, the audience really seemed to enjoy it. I got so much good feedback on it. And from there, I just I just took off. I'm like, well, what if Baba Yana auditioned for a play? What if Baba Yana wanted to tell the story of Hanukkah to a bunch of non-Jews at a Christmas play? What if Baba Yana uh, wanted to film herself during the coronavirus, giving people tips on how they can get by? <laughs> so really, Baba Yana has been so, I don't want to say easy to work with, but it just, it comes so naturally that her reactions to everything just seem so like, of, like, of course, that's how she would react to things. And it, and it doesn't require a lot of work on my part. Yeah. I will say though, from the conversations I've had with like different mentors and other clowns, because I, I brought this up to them, just like Baba Yana is so easy for me to tap into. Why isn't Ella that easy for me to tap into? And they're all like, because you haven't really figured it out yet because Ella is you. Baba Yana is separated from you. So it's much easier to, for you to play her because it's not the your your interior true inner youth self. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ella has been a work in progress. That's but super- I have been working on her. Um, yeah. And I do have actually a piece that I'm going to do at uh, SAF Fest on May 28th and 29th. That's going to be Ella as the sad clown that she should have been all along. <laughs> so hopefully that'll go well. I think that's super interesting. The, the observation of like, um, characters that you can relate to, but are kind of adjacent to your true nature being easier to relate to and being easier to tap into than someone who is so, because like you mentioned that Ella, the creation of Ella required like kind of like meditative soul searching. And so it's yeah. like, it, it, it's not super surprising to me that like, you know, that the creation of her is difficult. Like what yeah. are, like, have you in trying to figure her out? Have you like, I know that you're continuing this meditative practice throughout this time, but like, what are, like, how are you, what is the process of trying to figure out, figure her out like? Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. Well, first of all, realizing that she isn't just this, like, chipper, all-around, happy-go-lucky, funny girl clown, that was a big breakthrough for me. Mm. Um, I did, I did this workshop with Stefan Hayes, who's a who used to work with Cirque du Soleil. He was visiting in Chicago and like offered this weekend long workshop. And in it, I had this, uh, it was, it was kind of a breakthrough. I think this was back in January. Yeah, this was in January where I, um, 
I figured I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go up there and be funny because that's what I'm good at. Like, I know how to make people laugh. And I went up there and I, and I tried to be funny. And he kept asking me, like, why I was trying so hard to make people laugh and why I was being so antagonizing and, like, why I, I kept, like, snapping back at him and everyone else. And I said, I'm like, I'm just clowning. I'm just clowning. And he, and, and he said something to the effect of, like, you don't need to try and please us or or like impress us we're we're here we're here with you like we're we're on your team we support you you don't have to prove to us that you're worth supporting and i just like started crying mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and, and and i was just crying and and then he's like hey can like look at you there you are you're like you're so beautiful and i like just looked at everyone as i cried and just looked at them um then he asked me to sing something and I like no song came to mind in that moment, which is ridiculous because like one of the the skills I have that I've never found a great use for. And like that moment, I couldn't conjure it. But if I hear a song like two or three times, I just know all the lyrics. So technically, I should just be able to pull a song out of my head. Right. But I couldn't think of one. So I just started singing notes. And, and it was this very like ethereal angel like delivery as I cried. And uh, people kind of like looked at me like in wonder and sadness. They looked very like sad and 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 wondrous and, and enchanted almost. I felt enchanted too. Like I was like, "Where this is a totally different state that I'm in right now." Hmm. Um, and that was a very big breakthrough moment when I realized like, okay, Ella is not is not the funny girl, and I also don't have to be the funny girl all the time. Sometimes I can be the raw emotions crying on stage clown yeah god that's Um, that's a tough realization to come to like as a person (laughs) 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 like like not needing to be the the funny person all the time i know that that's something that i've been dealing with like in my life you know age 30 i don't have to be funny um and it's like to have to come to that same realization in the creation of a character, it must be, must it, must be like frustrating, but also like enlightening and kind of therapeutic. It would seem. Very much so. That whole weekend was just straight up therapy. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, it it was really really good, and uh, I unwittingly like tried to do a Ella the clown piece at this open mic night. It wasn't really an open mic night. It was like a Zoom call my friend has with her friends in uh, California. And I was with her when she was on it. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to sing something. Because every one of them, like, they share something to sing. And I started singing this, like, old Russian folk song that I really love. It's about a deer that, like, runs into the city. Um, and this deer uh, is, like, a, is a magical deer. Um and the singer is calling for the deer to come back because they miss the deer and they haven't seen the deer in so long and they and they wish that the deer would come when they called. And so I started singing it and no one knew what I was saying anyway because it was in Russian. But I just started crying in the middle of the song and still somehow finished it. Uh, but I think that lent this even more emotional power to it than I, than I originally intended on it having. Um, and that was because I let that sad clown shine through 
Mm. So that, yeah, those journeys of discovery have been wild and very healing, very therapeutic. Um, and also just like more than I could have possibly anticipated a year ago when I was like, I guess I'm going to try being a now. Mm. <laughs> well, I know yeah. one thing that I want to touch on because we've just been talking so much about it um, is just what like the digital element of today like especially when your process is so personal as you mentioned um and like then clowning is such a unique process in the execution of it already like what has the like forced digital element of the last couple months been like in your process yeah um that's a really good question thank you so one thing I found is that um, I've only done one of these so far, but it's, it was really long and I think it worked out pretty well. I did um, a live Facebook recording of Baba Yana, mm. just like answering questions that came in mm-hmm. and speaking. Like I had a couple of like um, topics that I would bring up if there weren't any questions coming in and just riffing on them. I found that clowning works really, really well with with live streaming improvisational live streaming um because so much so much of it is rooted in improv and reacting to your audience in real time and even though i can't see them or hear them getting those comments and feedback is something i can react to there's also this play that can occur of of this elderly grandma clown who doesn't really know how to use technology and keeps like messing everything up in the camera. So there's an opportunity for comedy there. Um, And also maybe not being able to read the words on the screen because they're too small and trying to increase them and closing out of the tab. So there's all these different uh, things to explore with physical comedy on a laptop. Uh, I know that Bill Irwin just did this 10 minute zoom clown piece uh, that was that was pretty good. It, it was it was about like trying to to get eye contact <laughs> with his screen partner and like un- being unable to do it because of course like every time like you look in the screen, uh, you're you're just looking at a little black dot, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And and like you're not actually looking in the eyes of someone. Uh, there's it's impossible to do that. Uh, they also had this this really good comedic bit about freezing. On camera, but not actually freezing, but pretending to freeze. So that was that was pretty good as well. Uh, one thing I have found that's been definitely challenging. Um, I'm working b- before quarantine started. I gathered this group of physical theater artists that I've met from the conspirators through my uh, the play I did for prop theater during Rhino Fest and just like in the community in the clown community. And we started working on devising a physical theater piece based on the Grimm Brothers fairy tale, the Bremen town musicians. And it is very much a physical theater piece. Like it really definitely requires us to be <laughs> in, in a space performing it where people can see us and we can interact with people. Um, it is very much physical storytelling. However, with the quarantine, we didn't really want to stop our process or at least try to do as much as we could without gathering in a room together. 
So we had to figure out how to have devising and playing sessions virtually. And for the most part, they worked like really well, much better than any of us expected. We would have like people put together improvisational scenes by assigning them characters. We did um, Alexander Technique workshops. We did, um, what's what's another one of those physical theater techniques that we worked on? Oh, I'm blank. We did, we did so many, we like pulled from so many different schools of, of physical theater training to do these individually based exercises that we could connect with our bodies and the floor um, and in that way connect with each other. Uh, we also did the clown meditation all together. That was very helpful. Um, we had people perform improvised monologues as their as their animal characters from the Bremontown musicians. Mm, yeah, and then we we would write together. Mm. Following those devising workshops, we'd sit together on a Google Doc and devise the the play together. Because as as much as it is a physical theater play, there are still lines. Right. So, <laughs> but by the end of this month, we'll have taken it as far as we can take it, and we'll probably have like a like a table read of the first draft, but there definitely will not be like a, a zoom performance of it because we all firmly believe that this needs to live on a stage. We might do like a reading, but it's definitely going to be a reading. It's not going to be a performance um, because it, we need for us to be together. There's so many beautiful moments of like clown Greek chorusness that we've planned to incorporate um, moments of like of, of um, like interesting uses of Foley and just so many cool physical theater elements that, that would never work if each of us were in a different zoom screen. Yeah. We've been talking. Um, so that's, 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 uh, that's part of it. Yeah. We've been, yeah. we've been talking to a lot of people who have made the transit, who have tried to kind of like as best they can fully transfer their performance practice to an online, like fully, fully transported or transmitted online. And I think it's really like, I find that fascinating, you know, that people are performing full operas online and people performing circus acts online. And it's like super cool to see what can be achieved through an online medium. I also think it's really important that there be a distinction of like, Yes, we, in theory, could do this online, but we don't need to, mm -hmm. you know? Like, right. like, this will end, and when it does, there need to be things that can be put on their feet quickly, so why not just take it as far as we can go, and then yeah. cross the finish line once we can be in the same room? And I think that exactly. that's, and I think that that's like, I, I'm so fascinated by that process because like having a background in performance and like knowing that like the staging of operas and stuff like that requires showing up at whatever community center at 9am and, you know, wearing a rehearsal skirt and standing next to a college sophomore and, you know, doing that same part over and over again. But like having that process be put online where, you know, I'm not next to that college sophomore. I'm, you know, that college sophomore is in his shitty college apartment and I'm in my apartment. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting. The, 
like it's interesting to find where the line is. Yeah. I think the best um tra- transfer, I'd say, of performance from the physical to the digital that I've seen thus far uh is the Cirque du Soleil online special that was released. Oh wow. It is beautiful and magical and they did such a good job. I mean, I've seen so many good ones. There was also one by the Juilliard School that was just made me cry. Oh, but- I saw that one too. That one is nuts. <laughs> it was so beautiful and and so gorgeous and like there were so like, lovely little tiny moments of someone just like sipping tea and like gorgeous music. Oh, it was so good. Uh, the Cirque du Soleil one was so very different. Um, but I like what they did. They really allowed each performer to focus on their own personal individual performance. And then in that same manner that TikTok has been doing with like the don't rush video challenges and stuff mm. where like they would drop an object off the screen or, or like have something happen and then have another person respond and, and start their pattern. They did the same thing, but for every single different performer, they had something else happen. Like one of them was like somebody would turn on a TV and the TV would like flash in a strange way. And then we would go inside the TV and then go outside the TV and we'd be in a different person's apartment and then their performance would start. Um, And then somebody else would like open the door and walk outside. And when the camera shifted to the outside, it was a new performer. Um, so it just, they, they were able to incorporate these really great mirror transitions on top of individual performances by individual performers. Yeah. So I thought that was super well done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it gave me a lot of ideas too. <laughs> I think it's like, I am, I've been so inspired recently by, by what's going on and, and like what people can accomplish in very much the corners of their time. Because that's, that's really, with everyone being consumed either with work or mm. with, you know, whatever, or just coping, you know, all we have really is kind of like really small windows of opportunity and working at a pretty significant handicap. And so I'm, I've just been like, I've just been so amazed at what, at what, at all the work that people have been doing. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, I totally agree. we only have a few minutes left, so we can. The last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting folks know where they can learn more and follow and and support uh, clowning work if that were a thing that you were doing. <laughs> otherwise, we love hearing shout-outs to other folks that are doing dope work or any media that you're personally consuming, self-care or otherwise, music, movies, TV shows, things like that. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the first things I did during quarantine was something I've been putting off for a very long time. I put together my performance and writing website. So head to criticturnedclown.com to check out what I'm up to, what upcoming performances I'm a part of, um, some of my like, clown portfolio pieces, my writing portfolio pieces. You'll find that all there. Um, let's see. Another cool thing to look forward to. <laughs> I am going to be releasing some writing very soon because 
as much as I have been experimenting with physical theater and clown during this time, it's also been a really great time for me to work on my writing, which has been great. So I'm going to be doing a couple different things. I have this great collaboration with uh, Colin Quinn Rice, who is a fantastic theater artist and photographer in Chicago. Them and I did a really cool project where I put on clown makeup and they took pictures of me through their computer uh, using their like really very nice camera equipment. (laughs) And I interviewed them. So that's going to be going up soon. Um, I'm also going to be in this collaborative video project called Silence is Different Now, where I'll be reading something that I wrote about silence in the time of the quarantine and then doing a silent clown performance on top of that. So that's writing and clown, I guess, together. Let's see. (laughs) One thing I do want to advertise, as we, we did talk about clown a lot today, is um, every Thursday night, I host a clown watch party. And we get together and we watch clown movies, documentaries, live performances, anything related to clown and physical comedy. It's at 8.30 p.m. Central Time every Thursday. Sometimes the day changes a little bit, but usually every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. CST. Cool. So if anyone's interested in joining, let me know. It's super chill. We just... We just watch and talk and hang, and it's a good time. Cool. That's awesome. Well, I think that's all I got. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really a, a like fantastic conversation and so and so in like fascinating to learn so much about clowning. Oh, cool. Yeah, I had a really good time too. Thank you for your very insightful questions. Oh. It made me, made me think a lot it's- about <laughs> the things I've been doing. <laughs> The past couple weeks. <laughs> it's our it's our pleasure, really. Thank you all so much for listening. I've been Deandre Hansen. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there's so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles and podcast episodes there. You can also keep up with us on social media. We have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board, where we talk about local arts, local politics, astrology, memes, you name it. There you can also find a link to our Discord server called Sounding Board as well, where we hang out, have fun, have a good time. And yeah, so check it out. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under ScopyMag, spelled the same way as the website, S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And you can find the podcast, the one you're listening to right now in most podcast places, including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and Radio Public. And I'm here, as always, to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, the best way to do that is by becoming a member. For $2 a month, you will receive an email in your inbox every time we post. So say goodbye to that social media algorithm, and hello to our content. Also, also, we have merch for sale. If you had to, if you head to slash store you can buy your new favorite t-shirt, and that is a promise. Also, if you are a business or an entity or just have something fun to say and want to advertise with us, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>